sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me your movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the horror movies we love oh, so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. Joining me today is the lo- my appendage. <laughs> <laughs> Am I a talking tumor? Is that what you're no, saying? No, <laughs> I mean like you're my other half. You're my like you're you, like oh, I want to sew you to my body. It's not weird. It's normal. Uh, everybody feels this way about their friends. Uh huh. Yes, of course they do. <laughs> it is the excellent Ariel. Hello. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm doing okay. What has your appendage told you today? Oh God. Uh. Get more sleep. Stop tripping over things. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Your appendage is way nicer than my appendage. I don't even want to put on the on the internet what my appendage tells me. Like if it was a real version from this movie, yeah, that that stays in my brain. (laughs) Ooh, that shit is bleak. This is why I a why I podcast and why when I'm not podcasting, I'm listening to podcasts and audiobooks and (laughs) movies and like so you don't have a moment of silence. I gotta. I gotta constantly be blocking out the appendage like it has things to say it has opinions and i have a shower speaker for a reason (laughs) (laughs) do you have a shower i do yes (laughs) yeah because the darkest thoughts they wait in the shower oh yeah they do it's very annoying because i also feel like i have my most creative thoughts in there so it's like a double-edged sword though it's like do you let those in but also let the bad stuff in or do you just listen to a podcast or some music you know yeah podcast music well i can't do music because music makes me feel things and i'm constantly trying to make sure that i never do that Ooh, gross emotions and feelings (laughs) so so yeah i what i guess what i'm getting at here is i related very much to this (laughs) week's episode (laughs) this movie i was like i feel very attacked but also very seen yeah Uh uh-huh same <laughs> yeah so what i'm alluding to is that today we are going to be speaking with anna's Lokovic, director of a director and writer of appendage yeah she was also the director and writer of the short film on which this was based we've got another jagged mind situation happening here yes, and i do. am into this trajectory this is <laughs> exciting exciting stuff so before we get into that ariel Can you do me a favor and let anybody who is new around here know how we handle spoilers? 
Yeah. So because this is an interview episode, we are going to try to avoid spoilers as much as we can. We won't spoil anything in our review or synopsis, but there are light spoilers in the interview itself. So just proceed Mm -hmm. with caution. But this is widely available on Hulu. So you can go watch it, too, if you want to, and then come back. And while you're there, go check out the short film. It's also on Hulu. Because I think there's interesting comparison points to be made. Yes. I, man... You and I, whenever we get excited about something, we're always like, we've got to get that person on the show. I really want to talk to them. And mm-hmm. like, that is a thing. When it happens, like it did for this, it's so exciting. It's so fulfilling. The, like we had this similar thing happen with Birth Rebirth. And yeah. there have been a handful of films where like, as soon as I saw them, all I wanted to do was talk to the filmmaker right. with you. And so this one is really special. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I hope <laughs> I hope other people have seen the short and have the same level of excitement for this that we did because it's it is a treat to get to talk to the filmmaker. And uh, I guess that kind of leads into uh, let's get into the, let's get into the background. Oh. Ariel, you got this one right? Yeah, I do. All right, tell me about Anna and the film. Okay, so Anna Zlokovic is an LA-based writer and director. When she was a kid, she had a Sony Handycam, and mm. she used to make short films in the style of Austin Powers. Which I just love the idea of. That is amazing. <laughs> also, I kind of wish that I had had one of those as a kid, because I bet it's really funny to go back and watch the oh. videos that you made. <laughs> hilarious yeah my my cousins had one and one summer we were visiting them and we made a godzilla movie with the <gasps> giant parrot as the what? godzilla and we made like lego towns for it to break up i wish what? i still had that unfortunately it poofed all over the legos too but it was very fun <laughs> oh my god that's amazing i would pay so much money Me to too. see that oh <laughs> hilarious all right. So on top of that, she used to also rewatch her DVD of Jurassic Park like over and over and over again. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even though she was doing these two things, she still didn't know that she was going to grow up to be a director. It wasn't really in her mind at that point. But her mom was an artist and she told her that she should work in film. But mm. instead, she ended up going to USC as a music industry major. Oh, funny. Two episodes in a row where our directors went I to know. USC. I know. It's because I think because they have such a good film program, yeah. except that they didn't start that way. So I don't know. Hmm. I mean, it's just a good school, I suppose. But in her sophomore year, she transferred to USC School of Cinematic Arts. And that's where she studied film and television production. So while she was there, she tried out like basically every position in film that you could except acting, I think. Like she tried production sound, production design, cinematography, editing, and then she finally made her way into writing and directing. Mm. And she sort of called this experience, quote, an accidental Harry Potter sorting hat. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. She was also a fellow at the Tribeca Chanel Women's Filmmaking Program called Through Her Lens, which provides mentorship and support for up-and-coming women writers and directors. And uh, then she went on to make eight short films before making the short film Appendage, the one we were just talking about, for Hulu's Mm -hmm. Bite-Sized Halloween, which is where you can find it on Hulu. She made that for Hulu and the studio 20th Century Digital. 
and they were asking specifically for shorts around five minutes long that were both scary and funny or one Mm -hmm. or the other. Like it had Mm -hmm. to be somewhere in that realm, but they kind of wanted a combo, which is how she came up with one about a talking tumor. (laughs) (laughs) In a USC alumni interview, she said, quote, it was important to me that the film wasn't a bummer. So I tried to take a wink at your own pain approach to the storytelling to make Mm. sure it honored the feeling of anxiety while still being funny. It became a cathartic experience in that way, Mm. which Mm -hmm. I can really understand because I think watching it, you sort of feel that catharsis, you know? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So part of Hulu's plan for their whole bite-sized Halloween project is to turn these short films eventually into features. Like the ones Ooh. that do well, they want to kind of push into that pipeline and make a full-length version. So that's what happened with Appendage, and she got to make, you know, her actual film. That's so it, cool. And in the interview, she's going to talk about kind of the process and like where she came up with the idea and how she turned it into a full-length version. So I'm not going to get into that here. But it did have its world premiere at South by Southwest earlier this year. And then it hit Hulu on October 2nd. So you can watch it right now, like we were saying. Yep. (laughs) Um, She also was named one of IndieWire's 28 rising female filmmakers to watch in 2023, which I think is cool because... That is really cool and feels correct. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know exactly what she's up to next, but she has said in a couple of interviews that she has a few projects in the works. Mm. She just hasn't elaborated on what they are, Mm -hmm. but I kind of feel like horror is in her blood, so I'm hoping that that's the direction she goes in. It's game recognized game when you meet another spooky babe. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. That's so cool. You know, I never get tired of hearing these stories about these women and sort of their journeys because they, there are some things that are similar, but everybody sort of has a different path. And it's this, it reinforces this idea that if you really want to do this, there's so many ways to get there. Yeah. I also just love finding out more about the hulu project that that's really what their plans are because that's what we always talk about when we see a short film that we like we're like please somebody give this person money to make the full version because i want to see it and there were a number of other bite-sized horror shorts that we've seen over the last couple of years that we really want to see bigger versions of and i'm desperately hoping that they make them (laughs) me too me too there's a few that like i I know i always reference that one that was like korean i think yep with the shadow one Uh i love that that one one. so good (laughs) so 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 good all right so let me tell you a little bit about this movie now again i'm gonna try to keep this very spoiler free so feel free to listen along on this one this follows hannah who is a young uh aspiring designer who has landed a gig with a in a design house that is very competitive and um, the designer is not very kind. And she <laughs> you is, don't say. <laughs> she is inc- feeling the pressure of that and trying to really tap into her creativity and give him something that he actually wants to the detriment to other parts of her life because she kind of has what appears on the surface to be a pretty great life. She has a gorgeous, loving boyfriend. She has a best friend who's very involved. They get along and are best friends. She is following the career of her dreams. All of that stuff is great, right? On the surface. But below the surface, things are much more complicated. She has a lot of tension with her family. There is a history of struggles that are revealed over the course of the film. And they begin to manifest themselves physically in the form of an appendage. A talking (laughs) 
criticizing appendage tumor (laughs) that begins to grow out of her body and slowly begins trying to take over her and take over her life force. It's feeding off of her pain and suffering. I'm guessing you guys can start to pull together the metaphor. And the struggle that she faces is that she has to find a way to survive the existence of this this appendage. She finds her way into a self-help group where she finds other people who can relate to some degree with what she's going through. And um, that's kind of as far as I'm going to take the the synopsis for this, because I think this one, a lot of the fun of this film is the discovery. And I don't want to take that from you. Yeah, there's a so. bit of a twisty twist in there. So. There's a bit of a twisty <laughs> twist, but we won't even touch that. So appendage on Hulu. Now you know what to do. All right. So let's do a quick mini review. Let people know what we thought about this film. And if we think you guys should head over to Hulu and watch it now. Ariel, go for it. What do you think of appendage? <laughs> well, you know. I, like you, loved the short film, so I was Mm -hmm. so excited to see this. And the appendage itself and the practical effects (laughs) did not disappoint. These are such, like, 80s-style special effects with this Mm -hmm. appendage that that alone brought me a lot of joy. (laughs) Yeah. Just seeing, like, how it manifests, how it develops over the course of the film, as like you were saying, it kind of tries to start taking over. I found it to be delightful, even though this thing is an asshole. <laughs> Just yeah, like, yeah. Like, externalizing every negative thought you've ever had about yourself. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I still was like charmed by this thing. Right. Uh, so it's fun in that way. I really liked the extended mythology around sort of how the appendages work and the kind of rules to follow with them. The twist is great. I loved Emily Hampshire. Yeah. I thought she was kind of chewing the scenery and being a little camp here, which was Mm -hmm. fun. And her relationship with the main character was really cool and interesting. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know what I was just thinking of is the plot line that starts the film with the fashion design element kind of reminds me of the remake that the Soska sisters did of Rabbit. Yes, you're right. (laughs) Yes, I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So, I mean, honestly, like I found a lot of it to be very relatable because like you, I... I too struggle with anxiety and those negative thought patterns that just like repeat endlessly. So Mm -hmm. I, I definitely get where this filmmaker was coming from. Um, For me, like some of the dialogue didn't totally land, but Mm -hmm. I had a good time anyways. So yeah, I also really enjoyed this movie a lot. I think um, especially once we get to the part where we're introduced to the self-help group and Emily Hampshire and that whole dynamic that is where the movie really takes off for me. That and obviously the appendage as well. The appen- with I, you, I'm just going to like co-sign essentially everything you said. Like this feels quite a bit like a modern through the perspective of a, of a young woman basket case. Film. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this thing has major Belial vibes. Oh, yeah. um, just as sinister, just as selfish, just as like much of like a psychic vampire as Belial was in those movies. But instead of it just being, I don't know, like a creepy sex blob, it's much more (laughs) psychological. (laughs) And it is, it's, you know, like as someone who struggles with anxiety and intrusive thoughts and all of that, like imposter syndrome, like 
I hate how accurate (laughs) the things that this thing says to her, like those, that it is a perfect encapsulment of the negative self-talk that I have. And it, in some ways watching it on screen has helped me to maybe interrogate that a little bit. Like, did it solve the problem? No, (laughs) but it did. It did kind of make me think like this thing is a monster and it's so cruel to her. Why am I so cruel to myself? Mm -hmm. Am I still cruel to myself? Absolutely. But at least I'm more aware of it now. (laughs) (laughs) Baby steps, baby steps. Um, Yeah. I think that there are, the the dynamics between all of the female characters in this film are really interesting because some of them are more sinister and some are more benign than others. Some are even more heroic. Um, lots of complicated female dynamics, which I always love. And then you add to that practical, rad practical effects, lots of camp from Emily Hampshire, and a thoughtful sort of meditation on mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have the makings for my kind of movie. So I would say if these things, if these elements resonate for you, typically you're going to have a similar experience where you really like this film. So definitely check it out. It is on Hulu. Anna is definitely a filmmaker that I find very fascinating. I would, I will watch anything she makes. This is two, like two for two, two for two for me. (laughs) Same. Would you recommend? Yeah, I would. I don't think this film is going to be for everybody, but I do think what is going to be for everybody is the appendage. And so I feel like just Mm. to see that little weirdo, you should watch it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll take it. I will take it. You know what else I will take? This awesome conversation we're about to have with Anna. Shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here we go. So, Anna... First of all, congratulations on Appendage. We saw the original short film when it first came out and we're obsessed with it. Absolutely loved it. And we're so excited when we found out that this was going to be turned into a full-length film and that you were coming back to do it. I want to know for you, how are you feeling after this labor of love to know it's finally about to be seen by audiences? It's crazy. It's wild. I'm tired. I'm happy. (laughs) I'm like all the things. And it's just, I'm just so grateful to have it, you know, it's so hard to get a movie made. And I'm just so, I just feel so lucky and grateful that it happened. And I'm excited and nervous and and just curious to see how people react. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you, I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like Rachel said, we were so excited when that short film came out and we got to watch it and we're just like in awe of what you created there. But I have to know, did that feature length film idea, like, was it already in your head when you made the short film or did that come later once you sort of got greenlit for a longer version? It definitely came later. I had an instinctual sort of idea of how it could expand just because, you know, I'm like, okay, it's an anxiety monster. There's a lot we can do with that because it pervades every part of your life, you know? And so I knew that, but it was definitely a very quick process of writing and pitching and making the movie. It was, I think the short came out October, 2021 and we shot the feature in starting in June, 2022. So it was written and conceptualized within that six month period. And we went into pre-production. Wow. That's incredible that you were able to do that that quickly. I don't think, I don't think she can do it again. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I will say you, it sounds like you pulled off a miracle, but what I really appreciate about this film is like, it, it is the depth of it. Like you really have something to say with this. It, you know, I think you're really through like metaphor, getting at things around depression, anxiety, intrusive thoughts. And I think maybe you can tell me if this is my interpretation is off. I have been known to go off the rails a little bit and go put on the tinfoil hat, but I kind of almost feel like this appendage is are you familiar with the tulpa? Like a tulpa, which is like a thought demon that you create with your own mind and ma manifest into physical form that is intrusive thoughts. Is that kind of your intention at what you were getting, you know, where you were going with this? I gotta look this up. Oh my God. Yes, <laughs> that is exactly where it was coming from. 100% is just externalizing everything that was, that's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. sure. Definitely. Sure. I mean, sometimes I do feel like I have it on my shoulder. <laughs> so I relate it. <laughs> I totally, totally feel that. And you know, that is kind of the intention behind it as well. It's like, it feels so real to the person experiencing it. And it is so hard to get that across to someone. Like people are empathetic, obviously, but it's like, no, no, no. It's like, it feels like it's like real. And so, you know, I think creating a practical effects monster was supposed to do that. It's like raise the stakes. Like it is real in this movie and it's in the, it's in the frame with her. So feel it <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely feel it I think that comes across loud and clear those yeah. themes around depression and kind of like low self-esteem or negative self-talk is does that come from a personal place for you it does it does it's definitely something that I struggled with since I was a kid I was bullied a lot and I think that definitely informed my self-confidence for a while and you know I think it's just also just part of my I was born this way and so you know I think it was definitely absolutely coming from a personal place that I was excited to share because I think the more I talk to people the more everyone is like no me too like I really struggle with this and imposter syndrome and I just wake up sad mm -hmm. for no reason and I'm like yes like we all need to talk, <laughs> we need to talk about it more and get it out there you know that's so interesting considering I don't want to spoil the film but kind of where it goes like this idea of exercising it by acknowledging it I think is that feels like I can kind of see the origin story of how you crafted some aspects of the film. <laughs> totally. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's all about acknowledgement and it kind of like uh, get, you know, it's shame is bad, y'all. Shame yeah. is bad. Shame, shame makes things worse. So so much of it was about reversing shame and and acknowledging. Right. Yeah. Right. Because she's vulnerable by how secretive she is about it. When it begins, she like does not want to share it with anyone and it allows it to grow and really take over her life. Exactly. She's like, I'll put it in a closet. I'll put it in a basement. As long as you know, no one has to see it or I don't even have to see it. You know, she's like, it's not real. It's like, oh no, but it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think one of the interest, most interesting aspect is kind of that rule, right? Like you can't get rid of it. You can't destroy it because it is still a part of you, even though it's this sort of outside monster with like actual physical weight. Uh, and that felt very metaphorical also. Can you talk a little bit about what you were getting at here with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think for a long time, I thought, you know, growing up, I was like, okay, eventually I will get rid of this. If I just find the key, like I will no longer yeah. feel sad or depressed. I'll just figure it out one day. And yeah, it doesn't go away. And I remember like, you know, having a breakthrough in therapy and then just feeling good for a while and then coming back and being like, you know, I thought we got rid of it. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, is this my fault? And she was like, no, no, no. Like, this is something we all live with, you know, you live with, it's not going to go away. So it's just about how you take care of yourself and how you 
deal with it. And so I think the connection that Hannah has with it, that, you know, if she kills it, she's also going to die. I, I think that that's really important. And especially in landing the end where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you got you to gotta coexist and find a way to do it. Yeah. 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 That's really so interesting. Powerful. Cause I, yeah, I think it's really powerful. And I think there's a note of hope there too, even though mm-hmm. the movie can kind of feel oppressive at times with the way that, you know, the appendage talks to her and stuff. So that's, totally. that's really cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you find it hopeful too. You know, I think some people are like, I wish it was gone and banished. And I, I mean, you know, <laughs> don't I actually, we all? <laughs> no, I was like, Oh, you know, I think that would almost be like dangerous messaging because it would set up these yes. expectations of like, I can, get rid of this what's wrong with me why haven't i gotten rid of it you know if hannah could get rid of it so that was really important Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right well i am going to take a hard left turn here because i have to (laughs) i I just have to ask you about the practical effects we saw the original short that was something we fell in love with and we were so excited to get more of it in this one so i really need to know first like why did you decide to go to the route of practical effects instead of like a cgi heavy film and also is there an appendage puppet somewhere out there? <laughs> yes, they're out there. There's like six of them. One of them is actually in there in my living room. And then there's one right here. I oh, just I saw that. <laughs> Look at it. It's the little guy. I love oh, it. Oh, baby. <laughs> I love her so much. Um, and so, yeah, they exist in the world and, you know, they have, they take up space. And, um, you know, why practical, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, where these things are real that we go through. And it's really hard to externalize internal isolating experiences. And it was really important that, you know, if the monster doesn't land and it doesn't feel real, the whole movie kind of doesn't work, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's really important for the monster to be in frame with Hannah. It's like she's actually interacting with it. She's touching it. You can tell it's not fake. You can tell it's real. And that creates the stakes of the movie, in my opinion, of like, yeah, no, it's real. And she has to deal with it. And so that was really important. Aside from it just being like a taste thing, <laughs> where I think practical is dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's important for the story. Yeah. And I mean, I totally agree. And I love that it works on a practical and a thematic level in that way. I don't know that I fully had picked that up on it, but now I'm completely obsessed with that information. It's totally this thing I'm going to say to sound smart when I talk about this movie. Like, <laughs> note the physical of it. <laughs> so yeah. this is this movie actually reminded us of a couple of other films that or you know it 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 was reminiscent in some ways of a couple of films that we love that have practical effects which are Cronenberg's Rabbit and the Basket Case movies and I'm curious if any of those were inspiration for you or if there were other films that were really inspiring when you were kind of bringing this film together. Yeah, I mean yeah, you're totally spot on. Those are great references and I think we went even deeper in terms of Cronenberg on the biggest reference I would say was the fly just because I find that to be funny and also it makes me cry every time I don't know I'm just like (laughs) it's a tragic love story yeah love story you know and so I was you know and also the practical effects like oh my god so definitely that was our biggest reference tonally and in terms of the practical effects and in terms of performance too I think that Mm -hmm. movie can be campy Mm-hmm. But it's also like really genuine with Gina Davis and their relationship. So that was super cool to watch while we were shooting. And then Raw, Julia Ducourneau's Raw. Ooh. I feel like mm-hmm. she blends tone really well in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, not everyone's going to laugh at that movie, but I think there are some really funny oh, things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're also really dark and she just is amazing. And then Black Swan was actually another one. 
to bring into psychological horror. Like I always said, that's sort of Hannah's movie, like what's going on in her head. That's how she sees it. I mean, there is kind of like the evil doppelganger aspect to it that that goes in and excels and like oh yeah that's great what a great reference we all need our evil doppelganger to go in (laughs) i mean could i just get them on the clock maybe cover some of my (laughs) shit there's also like a a cool female friendship at the center of your movie now i know that that sort of takes a turn towards the end of the film but earlier in it you you get the friendship between those two women from the support group, but you also get the best friend Esther and Hannah and kind of their bond. And it's really Esther um, who ends up saving her in the end, right? She's the one who fights for her, even though her real family like is aware that she's struggling and just doesn't really care, right? Yeah. So was it important to you to kind of explore that type of bond, that female friendship? It was super important. I think it's central to the film and even though Hannah, it's funny, you know, she pushes away the people that are closest to her, like her best friend who really understands her. She distorts that and is like, you don't understand me. Like, you know, it's almost like self-sabotage. And I think so much of the movie is about, no, 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 like those people, they're there for you. And, you know, you need that support when you're going through something like that. And it's sort of an example, even to friends to be like, look, like, if you love this person, just stick it through. They're going to come out on the other side. And, you know, female friendships are so special in that way because there is a depth of understanding, I think, that is really mm-hmm. special. And, you know, Claudia kind of steps in when Hannah's like, oh, my real close friend, I don't want her. Let me try this, like, really, this person I'm completely magnetized to who's almost mm-hmm. codependent in a way. And, you know, we all mm-hmm. fall into those kinds of really fast friendships as well. And, you know, watch the movie, you'll see how it, it turns out. <laughs> it is definitely. Really, yeah, two kind of brands of friendship that were definitely being explored. Yeah, I love that. I want to talk a little bit about the relationship with uh, Hannah and Claudia. And like, granted, I see the world through rainbow colored glasses, but there felt like there was a sexual tension between the two of them. And yeah. even if it's just the like, do I want to be her? Do I want to be with her? Is that is that just the charisma and appeal of Emily Hampshire with every human being on the planet or was that intentionally cooked into this this dynamic and she's the best she's so amazing um but no it was totally intentional and uh, something we talked about and you know Claudia I'm trying to figure out how to say things without without giving stuff away but definitely was trying to find a partner and trying to bring that person into her fold and and find real 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 connection with someone and so I think and then for Hannah it's also like oh this person that you have a crush on that maybe you can't be with and but you're also like friends and so that was a really important part of the chemistry because I think it allows Hannah to open up to her in this Mm -hmm. kind of crazy way and so you're totally spot on and that was all very intentional excellent not just head cannon <laughs> i will say you in both versions you got like actors who queer women are obsessed with rachel senate and <laughs> emily hampshire like, what are you doing with the games <laughs> oh, they're both just so amazing and i just feel so lucky to have been able to work with them and uh they just bring such special things to each project in a, in a really cool way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Amazing. Well, that 
that tension was definitely uh, palpable. So it came across on screen for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, Emily is just such a queer icon in my opinion. I think she's just the fucking best. So mm-hmm. it was really cool to have her in that role because it needed that. Yeah, 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 it did. <laughs> awesome. So I just have one other question about the movie itself. Like I was reading that Beetlejuice and The Conjuring were movies that you made people watch before filming can you talk about why those particular movies yeah they're so different it's like hilarious yeah um, <laughs> Beetle Juice was sort of the extreme of tone where I was like this is like one side of the spectrum where it's like a very absurd world but you still relate to it and then The Conjuring had elements of jump scares and like real fear I love that mm-hmm. movie Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is this spectrum. And so, you know, and then in between was the fly and raw and all these things. And so it was important to be like, this is one extreme and this is the other. So this is where the, the borders are, you know? And so it was important that people watch that before we made it. And then while we were making it, we screened the fly, raw and black swan. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so it was, That's a triple feature. Yeah. <laughs> um, every week and we're like, we're screening the fly. <laughs> if you'd like. <laughs> Amazing. It was cool to watch those things and and then talk about how they affect what we were shooting that week, which was really cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I could ask you a hundred more questions. Mm-hmm. I barely scratched the surface, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and sharing your art with us. You are so inspiring. Our listeners are always interested to hear what women identified directors are doing because it is so inspiring. You create miracles. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And we can't wait to see what you do next. Yes. We're fans. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm so glad we got to do this. Okay. Hopefully again soon. Yes. So we would yep. love that. Next movie, we'll keep an back. eye on your career for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was our interview with Anna. Are you as obsessed with her as we are? Of course you are. You just listened to the interview. So I don't know about you, but I, again, felt like we had a really great conversation. I, I not surprised that the person who made that, that she is the person that made that film. Like yeah. I could feel her presence in that film, having now spoken with her about it so clearly like you can tell that it was a labor of level love not only in terms of filmmaking generally but just like that it came it's such a personal film yeah that she pulled a lot of that negative self-talk stuff from her own life I think you definitely can tell that you know yeah definitely and I love that that sort of thematically tied into the choice to make the, the practical effects like I was so just enamored by them that I wasn't like I did my it turned my analysis brain off because I was just like mm. ooh, practical effect but when she explained <laughs> the reason for that choice and needing for there to be like a physical manifestation and for you and the audience to feel the reality of it because it's you know so much of what anything that's happening around like mental health is invisible and like so easy to dismiss I thought was brilliant yeah, I really enjoyed hearing that, especially because, you know, a lot of what happens in the film feel is like you don't have to dig very deep for the metaphor and the themes, right? They're really mm-hmm. obvious in this one. But mm-hmm. I did think that part of it was interesting because I do think that takes a little more thought, you know, to yeah. uncover that. Yeah. But then once she said it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Also, anytime my tinfoil hat theories are validated, I feel 
validated <laughs> that it was not just me and my rainbow colored glasses. Like there was like major intentional lesbianic energy between our oh, leads. Oh yeah. I mean that chemistry between the two of them Ooh. is kind of electric. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like Emily Hampshire is one of those people that just has yes chemistry. Like if I handed her my laptop, I'd be like, I think my laptop's in love with you. <laughs> I know. She, there's something about like the way she does eye contact that's yeah. just like, ooh. Yeah, there's Please like a over here. rascal meanness <laughs> to her. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, she's sassy. Mm. I mean, I was joking when we were watching it. I was like screenshotting it. I was just like, how sexy is Emily Hampshire? She's pulling off this hair. <laughs> and I mean it. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> that, that, I mean, she, the care, I don't know. She was not textually queer, but that hair was gay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i I also wish that you guys had seen like the video of this interview because she showed off an appendage puppet let's uh, share that let's share that video that part of the video very cool yeah we should share that we have the video let's use it (laughs) so stay tuned to our social media you'll get to see it somebody else from the film posted a picture of them with the bigger appendage like the puppet of the bigger appendage and i was like why don't i own that that's so cool (laughs) see that's the tchotchke we all want now we want the appendage yeah Yeah. i don't know i I, we've seen tulpas before it's you know she didn't specifically model it after that but it is kind of a similar mythology Mm -hmm. but i don't know that i've ever seen one that is just like a straight up intrusive thought and i i appreciate that like that is good mythology like resonant personal mythology mm-hmm. that I really connected with in this film. Well, any other thoughts before we wrap up our, yeah. our episode? All right. Well, like we said from the top, this is available now on Hulu. So give it a watch. Let us know what you think. Send us an email. We have one of those. You can, you can, you, I don't know if you know this, but you can email us. If you have thoughts and feelings and questions, you can do that at Rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the zombie girls, Facebook page. Or you can slide into them DMs and get Ariel because let's be honest, yeah. she's the one that's mostly on the social media. I'll be there. <laughs> I like chatting with people, so come share. <laughs> yeah, at ZG Podcasts on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. And if you're loving the show, do us a solid and rate and review us wherever it is that you're getting your pods. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight because you've already watched Appendage, well, good news. I've got a video on demand and streaming calendar just for you. It's at zombiegirls.com. You can see all the spooky doings that are happening on all the streaming services. And uh, click on them and uh, check them out. Let us know what you think. And last but not least, if you want to support us with some key-ish money, you can buy some of our sweet, sweet merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch, or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls, where you get bonus episodes, extended episodes, and of course, best of all, you get to hang out on our Discord. All right, that is it for us today, except for whatever we're doing on the next episode. What are we doing on the next episode? (laughs) So we are going to be reviewing... Perpetrator, directed by Jennifer Reeder. Jennifer Reeder. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Hmm. <laughs> We've covered a couple of her films. <laughs> oh, hmm. maybe even spoken with her in the past. We no have, yes. It's not a big deal or anything. You know, we hung out with her and stuff. <laughs> I definitely. Like our best friend. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty much our best friend and definitely not my most embarrassing moment of my history of the podcast. <laughs> talk about intrusive thoughts that's definitely oh, no. one that comes to me on <laughs> a so regular funny, basis i don't even remember what you're talking about you don't no oh, 
God, should I tell it really quickly? Yeah. All right. You know, sometimes confession is the best way to unburden the soul. Yes, do it. So it was early on. We were using Zencaster. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't really know what we were doing. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. And we had really shitty slow internet for some reason. I don't know why. And there it was taking forever to upload and i could to the point it was so frozen i couldn't tell if it was uploaded or not but it had been so long i thought surely it's uploaded and so i was like yeah you guys can go lo and behold (laughs) so i had to scramble and beg the pr person to reconnect us um and ask them to reopen their laptops all they had to do was reopen their laptops and let it upload but the thing is with Zencaster is like your camera's on. And so I had to periodically <laughs> check to see if it was uploaded. And I would see them working at their desk. And I felt like such a creep. <laughs> <laughs> they were lovely and they uploaded it and it was fine. Yeah. But I still flash on that just watching them working and just uh-huh. being like, oh, my God, I'm a perpetrator. The both, Here's the thing. I'm not Listen, I'm not saying that I'm the Truman. And this is the Truman Show. Okay. But their next two movies after that movie were called Watcher and Perpetrator. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, was this experience the direct inspiration for your film? I feel like I traumatized them <laughs> on a subconscious level. They Jeez. probably don't even remember at this point. God, I hope not. I mean, that's what I tell myself in the darkest dark of night when this pops into my head. Until you said that, I totally forgot that that happened. (sighs) All right. Well, on that note, Ariel, take us out. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. We hope you enjoyed our interview and our little mini review. And you're going to want to be back here next time for our review of Perpetrator, directed by Jennifer Reeder. It is available on Shudder, so you can watch it ahead of time. And that's going to do it. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. God, I'll never forget it.